I like to say that we're co-conspirators singing one another awake. And you're, you're absolutely right. We're, we're just sort of singing the song over and over and over again. Um, you know, the, the stuff you surround yourself with, the people you surround yourself with is a, a very, very powerful impact on your consciousness. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Being Inspired Radio Show. My name is Amanda Johnson, your host, and I am so delighted to have our guest with me here today. This is a gentleman who I deeply admire and respect for the work that he is creating and sharing with the world. Um, you may be familiar with him, you may not, but after this conversation, I guarantee you are going to want to seek him out and see what he is up to. Uh, he has touched my life. I actually woke up to his music this morning. I don't think he knows that, but I had my alarm set with his music so I could have music to wake up to. And um, I'm, I'm thrilled to get to share this space. It actually is very humbling to me to share this space with someone who um, I admire and who has also collaborated with others who I deeply admire. So today I welcome East Forest to the show. And East Forest has been the leader of underground sound healing ceremonies around the world since 2008. As a teacher using music as a tool, East Forest has trailblazed a path in the wellness movement, building bridges between the digital and natural worlds. As a leader in the burgeoning field of organic tech, he regularly cross-pollinates his work to bring together diverse fields to explore the intersection between technology, nature, and the human experience. With a brain-body approach aimed towards secular yet deeply spiritual personal development, a methodology grounded as much in science as in ritual and ceremony. His collaborations include Google, Esalen Institute, Consciousness Hacking, and Science and Non-Duality, among others. In addition to his weekly podcast series that offers discussions with thought leaders alongside musically guided original meditations, with more than a dozen albums already making a positive impact in the world, this year East Forest is dropping two more major projects, Ram Das in four parts, which I highly, highly recommend. Chapters one and two have already been released, so look it up. And Music for Mushrooms, a soundtrack for the psychedelic practitioner. <sighs> and with all that, East Forest, welcome to the show. Thank you. It was a very gracious introduction. We all get you out of breath just saying all those words. I know. I'm still catching it from my, yeah. my flow state breath work. So yes, that, that was a mouthful, but there was actually what's beautiful is there was more I could have said. I actually had to like cut that down and I, I still was thinking there was more I could say. So quite the, quite the um, experience you've been doing so much in the last 11 years that have touched so many lives. And again, uh, your collabor recent collaboration with Ram Das is absolutely brilliant. So I just listened to it on Thank replay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's still unfolding. So it's, yeah. it's uh, something because it's being released in those parts. I'm actually in the process of finishing the last two right now. And uh, so it's very fresh for me right now as well. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we'll make sure that people know how to find that and link to it and get, get access to it, Spotify and all the other places that they yeah. can find that. Yeah. yeah. So East Forest, uh, typically the way I, I open this show is with a very open-ended question because, well, first of all, I believe that there is something that we all you know, stand for or we all, um, you know, there's a message that we are here to share or there is a reason that we are in the world doing what we do, offering the gifts that we have to offer. And uh, is it, oh gosh, now I'm going to blank 
Is it Simon Sinek who starts with why? Am I attributing that to the person? I'm not sure. So well, it could be. good. Well, hey, fantastic. Well, you know what? If that was a misappropriation, um, I'll go back and, and put an asterisk in the show notes. But the, the, the importance of starting with our why and why we do what we do. And uh, I was able to pull from some of your information that I uh, watched and read that there are I can there are things about your work that stand out and but in your own words rather than me feeding them to you that's my first question is why do you do what you do I mean I think the simplest answer to that is I do what I do because I I have to do what I do it's it's more just a personal process to keep me sane and walking through the world and part of that I think when you're following your gifts, ideally that comes into some form of an active service. And so I feel that a lot of what I'm doing to feed my own soul and my own needs and going through my own process and problems is something probably fairly universal to the human experience. And so it's just something that um, I, I, I want to be inspired. And so I think by trying to inspire others, it's inspiring myself. So it's totally selfish. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you said that. I, I deeply resonate with that. I, I may be a little um, earlier on, my, uh, on that path of my own where I've started to claim that what I do is entire, not entirely selfish. That's not true. It is selfish. And as I, as I nourish myself and feed myself, I know I am being a gift and I'm serving and giving to others. So I, I appreciate that someone else is sitting here um, reflecting that back to me. Someone who, again, I um, think many of us might look to say, you've, again, you've reached many, many people. So it's obvious that you being selfish is making a difference and is happening. Well, I, I suppose what I see is that you, what you learn, or maybe you have to learn this over and over again, is that by serving others, you are serving yourself. And so it's, you know, the golden rule is, is something that's been encoded for us that we forget about those simple, simple lessons. Like if you want to feel safe, make other people feel safe. Or like if I want to feel inspired, again, I try to make other people feel inspired. So it's sort of a tongue-in-cheek way through this selfishness is the selflessness. It's sort of a yin-yang uh, for sure. So, I mean, but you can't do it by walling yourself off and just serving yourself. It's more like by connecting that energy because you know otherwise you get into that space of feeling very separate which usually engenders those feelings of fear and, and loss and, and protectionism uh, and so the more you feel connected into those around you and the world and nature usually that's that's a good pathway into some kind of peace for your, your own inner process too mm. To give is to receive. And so, yes, to start with that intention that as we give, so shall we receive. And I think that's absolutely beautiful. And then you're right. It breaks down those walls, keeping us um, feeling so separate from one another. You, you've been doing this for a while. Um, what can you share with us a little bit of how you found your way? You said this is something that you need. This is uh, your medicine. This is how you feel inspired. Um, how did you find your way to the music? Have you always been uh, a musician? Can you tell us a little bit more about that journey? Sure, yeah. I've always been 
into music like as a kid it was more like in schools whether it was choir or band or musicals or anything with music i enjoyed it but i didn't create music until later in life and i think it's when it became more of a creative process for me that things really started to open up i i don't know i think it, it wasn't until actually more in the last few years that I, I really started to give credence to and recognize the value of creativity and just making music or playing music, which is a creative act and how valuable that is for my mental health. I sort of stumbled into it in a way because I was doing it. I was pursuing it as a career and a job and I was getting the benefits of that, but I don't think I had my eyes wide open to how if I were to stop doing that, that might be a problem. I, I believe that all humans are happiest when they're creating in some form or another. And that can come out in a lot of different ways. I mean, that could be through cooking. It could be through even through good conversation in a sense. Like that's what makes us unique as humans is this ability to create and to sort of like God's uh, energy moving through us, this act of creation. And so music is a really, really beautiful way of doing that because it's so multi-dimensional and how it touches you know transcends language but can use language and rhythm and time and emotion all the, it's 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 very very powerful and so now I, I see it pretty clearly that just being able to even rehearse or perform or create or play or any of these things is sort of the grist for the mill for me to just feel keep my head on straight and feel connected to it's sort of my yoga in a way. I mean, other people do other things like yoga or, or running or, or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So you said that you had started out, it was a career, it was something you were pursuing and yet your eyes weren't wide open yet. What was going on? So you were pursuing music professionally, creating music, I mean. Yeah. Before there was a shift, was there a shift? Was there a, a turning yeah. point? What happened? Yeah. Um, well, when I, was, when I was in my 20s, I think it was a pretty typical. I was in New York City and following the fame, shame, money game, and just trying to make it that way. And I think my measure of success was the typical measures of success, like how, how much money or fame you had attained. And I did have a pretty big shift that was a spiritual shift in my late 20s, sort of that Saturn return times around 28 to your early 30s. And I, everything was falling apart in my life and were being replaced by completely new paradigms of thought and being and things like meditation and plant medicine and indigenous ceremony and all sorts of new information was coming my way via books and people and experiences. And, uh, I mean, I don't know how much you were into that scene pre 2012, but it was like a real energy of people wanting to project their desire for change, myself included, into this idea that it was going to happen in 2012, on December 21st. And uh, there was a wave of energy at that time that was actually really beautiful. There was a wave of, of thinking and optimism and risk-taking. And I dove into that, into that scene in New York City. There was a real scene happening. And that's when East Forest emerged. And it it emerged through a process. I was, I was definitely had some big catalytic moments that came out of uh, use with psilocybin or just the active ingredient in magic mushrooms. And that combined with music that had really just blown me open spiritually that definitely led me to leading into like 
reading more and exploring more and talking to different elders and other indigenous and ceremonies and just trying to learn like what all that was. And that's why I started making the music that I'm, I'm now making now because I wanted to make music that was a tool to, to go inside and to have these really powerful experiences where I could essentially feel connected to that oneness that is me, that is you, that is everything and do it in a more reliable way because it was so essentially pleasurable to me. And there's this, you could argue that our experience of being awake and alive is just yearning to be reunited with God or source in mean, every moment of every day. And some people do that through Monday night football and some people do that through meditation and yoga, but we're all doing it and we're all on the path and there's, we're all graduates and there's no wrong way. It's just some ways take longer in this earth time than others. And so mine was through music and it was a long process of discovering and I'm still in that process. There's no destination with it, but it's been more nuanced in the later years. So for the first years, I, I really didn't know what I was doing, but I was just creating a musical lexicon and style to, to dive into that inner space. Hmm. So, so much good stuff. No, you know, 2012 was still pre my own major awakening, but I, I love hearing that what the energy was around it. And, um, but I, you know, I love what you said. I mean, I loved a lot of what you said, but really what stood out to me around that we are all, we're all graduates. We're all on this path and, and whether or not we do it with football or meditation, we're doing it. We do desire that, that oneness. We desire that um, reunion. And I would offer at least based on some very recent um, revelations of my own that there's also a, for me, a tremendous fear in finally allowing that to, to occur. If you understand what I mean, like there's this, we, I believe that could be one of the paradoxes of our existence where we want that more than anything. We want that unity, that oneness, that return to source experience. And when I'm right there on the edge of it, when I'm, I can see it, I can feel it. I, I know it's there. There's something that's like, choo, 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 and that something is probably this physical body or what we might call the ego. Um, at least that's been my experience lately. That's going like, wait, 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 let's just hang out in this human form. You know, let's be in this physical form. Let's, let's not go too crazy. Have you had an experience like that? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Well, I mean, lately, the past couple of years, I definitely have been thinking more about like I haven't been desiring as much to escape, whether it's through, you know, cannabis or anything, because I, I mean, it's just a personal thing and where I'm at, but I, I definitely recognize that there's a reason why we're each here doing the dance we're doing. It's, it is the, the grist for the mill and, the, you know, dipping your toe into the cosmic waters is super valuable, important. But as Ramdas would say, when he was getting really high, he always had to come down. And it's really a good self-examination to ask yourself, is there something you're running from? Mm. And maybe, maybe you just want to work on that because again, there's really no wrong answer, but it just comes down to like more suffering yeah. and this desire to escape or this desire to this any kind of desire it's all desire is what as the buddhist said is what the suffering is so if you want to escape suffering you have to escape desire and there's nothing to hold on to anyway uh and that's the paradox and the mystery of being alive as a human in dimensional consciousness is that uh, we have this concept of time and on off everything's dualistic uh, from our perception and we get into these states and we want to hold on to them. But 
the only constant we know is that everything changes. That's the only, and that we pay taxes. That's it. <laughs> well, if we pay taxes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. IRS, don't come looking for me. That was not a. That was not a. <laughs> that was not an admission. Um, that's that's brilliant. Absolutely. And and even when you said that, you know, the the distraction. What are we? You know, equally what we are desiring. Um, to be reunited, to experience that pleasure, to experience the oneness um, equally can be our distraction, right? It can also be the distraction. Yeah, I think it can be. I think any identity we put on, I mean, all of the, all of these things are cultures in a way. You know, I like that Terrence McKenna line that he would say that culture is not your friend. And these costumes we wear, whether it's I'm the Wall Street executive or I'm the football fan or I'm the yogi, or, you know, I'm the, I, they're all identities. And I think it's, it's healthy to step outside that and, and not get too wrapped up in your story. Because I, we all do, I do. We all get wrapped up in our stories and our identities and our role play. And no matter what it is, there's still, it's sort of the same process. I mean, that's what I come back to more and more these days is that, I mean, maybe that, I mean, look, I'm not saying this is a prescription for anyone, but in some ways, none of it really matters. It's just about taking deep breaths and being truth, telling the truth. Maharaji, Neem Kroli Baba, Ram Dass's teacher, you know, one of the songs I was mixing on that album talks about Maharaji's primary teaching was just love everyone and tell the truth. And it's pretty simple, but it ain't, it ain't easy. And, but it really is in some ways that's simple it's like the rest is sort of icing on the cake and yeah you should help people yeah you should fight injustice i mean yes you should chop the wood and carry the water you have to that's why you're here to learn but just just love everybody and, and tell the truth and, and then good luck with that because <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah. it's harder than you think and what is truth and you get into all these deeper discussions but maybe it is yeah. simple Maybe it is. It is simple. And absolutely that, that moment when I want to say the thing, and then it's even my own inner dialogue to your point, like, what is truth? It's like, wait, was that my truth? Or am I, oh, that, that's such a, well, that's, that's it. It's your truth. Question. That's exactly my it. Truth. That's right. You get into these philosophical questions about, is there such thing as truth? But, but the intention and the meaning, I think, behind that, that directive is, makes sense to me and and it's sort of like and in that song he's like because souls love each other and tell the truth that's uh, what we do that's what we do and and our truth can change i think that was a big aha for me because i i was once of the um i was wearing the costume and of the culture that there is a single truth and i'm looking for the capital t truth like i I mean, I wrote it in my book. I was so, I mean, this is the truth. And then I started going, wait, that's not true. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, that, that in itself started to crumble. And, and, and then now what? Now what? So there's a truth today and there's a truth in this moment. And if that's all I can actually not, well, if that's all I can trust is the truth in this moment. And then to trust that it, it's okay if it changes. And if it changes, it didn't invalidate the truth before. And that's been a big one for me. It's pretty wild to remind yourself that beliefs are just things we hold and choose to hold. And I, I don't know about you, but a lot of things I believed in the past, I don't necessarily believe fully now or they've changed. So then I start to think about the things I believe now. 
And if anything, it reminds me to maybe speak less in a lot of ways. That's another thing I love about music because if I were to write an essay, I'd almost be more nervous about how it might stand the test of time. And if there's a certain universal truth to certain kinds of music that that I want to aim for, that's hard to argue with because it's engendering a felt experience in the listener. And that's something that will be in that moment when they listen to it and is unique to them. It's not something I'm proselytizing to them to feel. Mm-hmm. And so it's something I can stand a little bit more behind. And I, I, I think I, I quote this quote in the Tao Te Ching often, which is paraphrasing and translated, but the idea that uh, the man who speaks the truth, well, the truth can't be spoken. You know, the idea that, so there's really nothing to say. And people who are, are speaking quote, quote, truth or this or that. Anyone tells me they, they know how something is or that they're very convicted about anything. I, uh, I, and instantly my, my bullshit meter goes up a little bit. I'm like, well, <laughs> really? Let's talk again in a year. Says who? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I'm just, I'm just a big old curmudgeon and a skeptic. So. <laughs> and you stick to music. You know, I'm sitting here going, oh, I, the the wrong gift chose me. Uh, here I am trying to put into words. Well, hey, I, I have a podcast <laughs> in, in my recent concert series, these ceremony concerts I do. I, I talk a lot in it. But I think in that speaking, you know, we can just sort of be checking in with ourselves about there is, that's what like mystic poetry is in a sense, or these ways of dancing around it or by using metaphor. It's all the ways that we are painting with different colors that aren't saying something definitive because they're really, you can't, but it's, it's sort of, it's very Zen in a way. You're kind of dancing around it by describing it from all the different angles because that's all you can do. You point to it, you point to it. And I know Ram yeah. Das has a quote about this and now I'm, I don't know, but yeah, it's, it's, we're just pointing at things and you know, that's all we can do. I love that. Yes. Music. And my, I, uh, I work with a, a shaman weekly with breath work and, and he'll talk a lot about music because it, there's, it's a, a shamanic journey, a music, a journey that we go through. And, you know, he'll always say that the breath is, it's kind of the, the entry point, the breath is what we follow, but the music's the journey. And that is, it's so true. And that's what connects all of us. He often talks about music being the thing where there is no separation. Do you, do you agree with that? I mean, how do you, how would you define music? I mean, what's your, yeah, give us a little more of the, give us more words about how you. I'm not sure how to describe music or define it, I should say, Mm -hmm. but I will say thinking about shamanic ceremony in that sense, it absolutely is the vehicle Mm -hmm. for the journey. And it has been that way for millennia, as far as we know. And um, that one of those albums I'm working on that you mentioned, Music for Mushrooms, a soundtrack for the psychedelic practitioner. That is to do just that, to provide the music, the soundtrack, the backbone for psychedelic-assisted therapy that's going on, uh, particularly with psilocybin, because that music and how it's used and what it is can be a, a very, very, very powerful way of creating those positive experiences for people. And personally, I feel like we've been missing the mark a little bit in some of the research studies they've been doing with the music it's admirable what they're doing, but I, I think in that particular area, there's more we can get out of it. And so that's why I wanted to offer that particular record to say, here's a solution. I won't just complain about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is something that I've been developing over 10 years, but I know it works. And I'm looking forward to seeing how that can help people just 
dive even deeper into their own inner work. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole nother conversation around psychedelics where I'm, I'm, I'm going, mm, is that where we go next? Um, I, that's I, where we've been in a it's lot where of, we've been, I know, I know. Culturally, but yeah, you know, with, are you familiar with Michael Pollan's recent book, how to change your mind? It no, came out this last year and it got a, Michael Pollan's a major uh, science writer, uh, quite famous, and he wrote this entire book about psychedelic-assisted therapy and dove it into it himself. He's like, how can I write about it if I don't do it? And it, that was a sort of a, a barometer of where the cultural winds are at because there definitely is a wave happening in research and sort of accepted uh, medical value in the FDA giving uh, a breakthrough therapy status to psilocybin last year for depression. Mm-hmm. And so th- things are, things are changing and things are happening and these are just tools and they aren't the only tools by any means. There are many, there are infinite tools. Uh, breath work, as you said, is a tool and uh, conversation and all these other things. But this is just one quite powerful tool that we've sort of pushed to the side and said, we're not, you're not allowed to look at that or even do research on it. And so the research is coming back. Yeah. And, and like all tools, and I think, again, this goes back to at least Ram Dass teachings and many others where at some point we need to keep releasing the tools, right? So as soon as we, and I think there's something about as we get into psychedelics, um, I've only had a very limited um, experience with them myself. And I even, the questions have started to come up for me as, as we explore them more maybe widely or culturally, um, will it become one more thing then eventually that we're going to have to loosen our grip on? Because I can even see in certain cases, there's the, you know, the attachment, right? The attachment to the tool or to the, to the vehicle. So what's your thought on that in terms of as we find a tool that works? Um, and you did kind of point to this earlier, but how do you, what are your thoughts on that in terms of using a tool for the time it's useful and then not using it? Yeah. Anymore? You know, there's I can't remember who said it, if it was Alan Watts or someone, but it's sort of like you pick up the psychedelic phone, you get the message, and then you hang up. It's like you don't need to keep picking up the phone. That being said, uh, absolutely, there it can be abused in the sense that you get addicted to escaping in a sense, or that, or you can have grandiose sense of yourself and delusion. And sure, all these things are absolutely possible. It is a tool, just like a hammer is a tool. You can build a house, or you can hit someone over the head. You know, it's not. It's not like it does one thing. So that's why I, I'm definitely an advocate of of research because there could be off-label uses or uses that we've never even discovered that might not even be about the psychoactive component, about addiction or who knows what. But Right now, the main element is sort of this psycho-spiritual component, and that's what makes it very unique. It's not just about take this pill and the condition goes away. It's like take this pill and part of the experience very well is perhaps a chemical thing in your brain, just like any other aspirin or something. But there's also this spiritual component. Like you go through some kind of spiritual experience that's difficult to measure and is ineffable, and something about that helps to heal perhaps your addiction or your depression or your fear of dying. That's what the early studies are showing and what a lot of us know anecdotally, but that's pretty different. Uh, and I, I think it's worth the potential for, I suppose, 
maybe people being attached to that because there's many legions more people who have never experienced anything like that. And I feel it's our birthright to understand what it means to be human and to make our own choices about that and to be a soul. And all of this stuff has been ripped out of our lives. We don't have rites of passage anymore. You see vestiges of them in things like a bar mitzvah. Uh, you know, those are, those are like, that's what it was probably a long time ago. Or you hear about vision quests with Native Americans and stuff, but we don't have that. We just have iPhones and Malays and we just kind of move through adolescence and then keep going. And we're, there's something about the human experience about that struggle and that spiritual aspect of it and having those elders, which we also don't really have many of, I mean, Rondos is one of them, but we don't have many elders in our direct family or community typically that can show us the way and show us the paths to take to discover ourselves. And you know, probably has something to do with the epidemics of depression and addiction, suicide going up. Um, you know, we're supposed to be we're supposed to be in the age where we're doing less and everything's being automated for us and we have all this leisure time and that was the Jetsons so and that that's the promise of technology but every year we're busier and every year we're on our screens more so what's happening and where is this leading and it is showing us that the only one who can choose this for you is yourself but every part of the system is trying to suck you in and put you to sleep so that you that they have your attention because your attention is your currency, mm. and and so I think that these are just tools, as I said, not to be redundant, but they're very powerful tools, and and it's just it's just something that might be what we need because these are very powerful times, and things are very truncated and compressed, whether it's climate change or it's political or social or personal, things are moving very quickly. And not everyone has 20 to 40 years to sit in an ashram to do the same thing. So maybe what if you had an experience that lasted four to six hours with a therapist in a licensed center and it's worth 10 years of therapy? Mm. I don't see anything wrong with that. And it's not for everybody, but I'm just saying having that on our palette of options for certain people is smart. Mm. That's all. And so it's great for us to start wrapping our heads around it because this stuff has been in the underground for uh, about 50 years since the Controlled Substances Act went into effect in 1970 with Richard Nixon. And uh, it's just time to bring it out of the closets and for all these people to speak their own truth about it. There's nothing wrong with that. And just like, uh, uh, just like happened with uh, Steve Jobs and talking about his inspiration with psychedelics and Apple or... Uh, uh, the guy who, it goes on and on. You know, people who are just sort of like, yes, that was part of my creative process as well. And so I think it has promise, but we're going to have a lot of stumbles along the way. That's how it goes. And mm -hmm. that's part of the human experience too. And again, that's why I made that music was I'm just trying to make it powerful for people, but gentle too and safe. And one of the things we know that helps it be safe is your mindset and your, the setting that you're in. And so music, again, is the ancient ceremonial primary tool that carries you through it, whether it was the original just shamanic drumbeat um, or a rattle, all the way up to date to any kind of music we want. And it's time to make a new tradition and a new tradition for 
for us and for our Western years and for our lives and our tradition that's based in our, in our world. And that's something that's needed. Yeah. And I love how you stand for bridging. You, you bridge a lot of things. Um, and I, I see that, you know, all ancient with modern, right? Ancient and modern um, is one of those things that you're bridging. I, I have two questions and I don't know which one to ask. I might ask them both and you'll either answer both or one. I don't know. Both questions are, what is it that you believe you stand for? So like, what do you stand for? And I'm also curious if you would share about a psychedelic experience you've had or why you've been drawn to that tool. Sure, sure. What do I stand for? That one feels hard to answer. For some reason, the answer that comes up to me is almost like a bit of playfulness going back to the beginning of our conversation, but I would say it's truth. And you're like, well, what is truth? <laughs> well, it's just something for me right now that I'm thinking a lot about and have been going through in my own life about my own truth. Uh, what, what's the book, The Four Agreements? Is yeah. it Don Miguel? Mm, release? Yeah, and the first one is Being Impeccable with Your Word. I've been thinking about that lately, and that's a form of truth and telling the truth in a sense. It's that same sort of teaching that the Maharaji talks about. Um, and I think that's very, very powerful. And I, I, I'm trying to do it right now. Like I'm trying not to tell you what you want to hear or like put forth an image that I want to put forth or play the PR game, but also to play the game of speaking clearly and 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 entertaining at the same time. And that's sort of like the dance we do when this is our career. And I really want to stand for something that is my own, meaning it comes from me in an authentic way and I'm not just parroting everything I've heard in the past, but that is actually full of truth and meaning and helpful. And that's a discovery process and something, it's sort of like a record needle that I'm always just trying to keep in the groove. And so Sometimes I fall out, sometimes I fall in, uh, but I'm really doing my best to, to do something that's truthful to me. Number two, a psychedelic experience, a trip <laughs> or, story. Yeah, no, I mean, or, or even so what's many. drawn you to them. Like, you know, just even giving, painting I, yeah. for those of us maybe who haven't, who haven't explored <laughs> or experienced. Why should we? Why would we? Well, I'll tell you about my first experience because uh, it came up the other day. Um, I went to Vassar College, which is in upstate New York. It's a little liberal arts school which is where I had my first experience. And a lot of people stumble into psychedelics uh, sort of like that. You have no teacher, you have no nothing, uh, you know, you're in a college, you're at a party, and you might get lucky and it's very positive and you might not and it might be very traumatic. You might be really young and you're too young and you take too much and it's quite scary. And, and, and that's something I, I hope we can mitigate in life. You know, it's not secret. You know, we can talk about this. No, you don't do that at 15, you know. We're going to help you do that. And it's up to you if you want to, but you're going to be older and it's going to be this thing. And, but anyway, I was, I was probably 18 or 19. And I remember wanting to try this because I'd heard about it. And I, I took a bunch and it was at this big outdoor party in May, right, right, around, right, right around now. And it's probably 20 plus years ago. And I just went back to Vassar. I was passing through on tour and I, we stopped by my partner and I did the school because I had a day off. And we were walking around campus and all the cherry blossoms were starting to go. We went back to that area and I said, oh, you know, this is the tree 
that I lay under where I had my first experience of like non-ego oneness where it just blew my mind open and thank god it was positive i stumbled i literally stumbled it was right here i remember the, the cherry blossoms falling on my face and how time started to break down my ego started to break down but i was still there but i didn't know who i was but it was so amazing and all i felt was i want everyone to experience this i want my parents to experience this i want everyone to everyone this is your this is our, oh my god there's more there's more there's more to than what I thought is just life. And it's unbelievable in its beauty and its depth. And we're all more. We're all the universe. And we're all one. All that stuff. And it was a profound experience for me. And I remember coming out of it, I had no sense of what that was. I didn't know what had happened. I didn't even know what ego dissolution it was. All I knew was I would like to go back there sometime. And it took me many, many years and experimentation to kind of stumble into like, you know, trying to learn and read and have conversations uh, and have some bad experiences too. And, and it's just, but I do recognize that uh, it started me on my spiritual path before I even knew what that was. Mm-hmm. And Ramdas said the same thing. There was, a, uh, there was a song on the record called Home where he talks about his first experience with psilocybin with Timothy Leary and Allen Ginsberg which that's kind of an amazing group to have your first psychedelic experience with just casually. Yeah. that's Anyway, and he took it and he just went into this room to get away from the chitter chatter and things started to really get going for him. And he looked down and he had no body and he was a little scared, but then all of a sudden this feeling came up sort of like I was describing I had of being home being in a, this, this home for the first time of love and peace and not all that stuff that he was transcending. And he credits that experience for starting him on his spiritual path. And look at him now. He's 88 years old and the impact he's had, um, it wasn't just about psychedelics, but then he went to India and went into yoga and all this stuff that he learned and transmuted that for us through his books and his talks and now this album it's amazing. It's amazing. And it's amazing. These, I hear these stories again and again. And so I just want us to bring more respect to these processes and, and recognize that it is a tool. It's not a pan, panacea where you take something and then everything's better. It's not that at all. It just kind of shows you things. And those things can be really profound, what you see and what you feel but then you make decisions and choices in your life. You come back just to normal life and you have to, where the rubber meets the road, you have to do things. And so the integration into your life is everything. And if you don't change anything in your life, it was a pretty worthless experience. I mean, it was pretty minimal. It was just an experience. But if you bring it back and you say, you know, how can I tell the truth more? Or that feeling I had of loving everyone, how can I do that with my mother you know what's stopping me why where are my blocks and that's the work and that's the soul being here learning and learning uh, that's why we're here and so this those are just different ways and we have these experiences all the time anyway you know I mean when you you know some of them are really powerful uh, like near-death experiences or getting married or the birth of a child and some of them are mundane but they're equally sweet and deep whether it's just a look you share with your lover for 
a second and it's there's nothing to say or the way you see the wind blowing a flower blossoming on a tree and you feel something for a second and it's just breathing into those and expanding those that sort of is uh, you winking back at you it's like the universe it's the reflection of yourself and i think that's really all there is in a lot of ways <sighs> so I, there's such a sigh audibly that i'm giving and internally that i'm giving as you say that that to me is truth at least in this moment so well done on uh, living up to your first agreement and that is i mean that's what we're it can be that simple despite our all the insane ways we try to make it more complicated i make it more complicated and yeah it's it's interesting to hold on to the idea that what if we what if we just held on to the idea for a second that there's nothing to do yeah i mean isn't that a relief yeah and there's a lot to do you know like we have things to do but that's not what i mean you know there's yeah. the, you know everything you need to know yeah and yeah. you can learn more but you, you you know exactly what you need to know mm-hmm. yeah resting in that space there yeah it's 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 peaceful it's restful it's relieving and uh and then we fall off and we come back on we're like oh yeah but that's why people like you like ram das like the million spiritual teachers out there uh, who keep pointing us back to ourselves. That's why I do what I do. That's why this thing, this show exists. That's why I, I write what I write. That's why I help others write what they write because I do believe we can't have enough reminders. We just can't have enough reminders surrounding us. I like to say that we're co-conspirators singing one another awake. And you're, you're absolutely right. We're, we're just sort of singing the song over and over and over again. Um, you know, the, the stuff you surround yourself with, the people you surround yourself with is a, a very, very powerful impact on your consciousness. Uh, hmm. I'm so glad you said that, by the way. That was one of the quotes I pulled off of you, or actually I think you said it in a video and I typed it down and I didn't get around to saying it, so I'm so glad <laughs> you did. Uh, we are co-conspirators singing one another awake and Everyone listening, um, make sure we aren't quite done yet, but when you're done listening to this, make sure you go and listen to East Forest and all of his music, seeing you awake um, in the morning, actually, or at night or on your psychedelic journey or whenever you desire it. So in closing, I do like to ask my guests three questions that help us get to know what inspires you a bit more, even though you've probably shared some of this, I'm going to ask again. Who is a source of inspiration for you and why? Well, right now, I'm going to say Ram Dass because I'm so deep in that world. And as I said, I'm in the process of finishing the record and mixing it And as we speak. Um, it's, it, what's really cool about him and getting the chance to spend time with him in person was just seeing someone. You know, his story is that he was just like anybody grew up in a, with a rationalist, reductionist family, um, what had everything, had the professorship at Harvard, it's, had some money, you know, all the stuff. But he saw a larger possibility for himself and he had the courage to follow it. 
And now he's in this place of expanded love that when you're in it and witnessing it, it's really, really cool to just have, you just feel it. He just looks at you and you look at each other and it's, boom, everything explodes. And he's not a god any more than we're all God. It's the point, he's just done a lot of work. And that's inspiring. Mm. He's reflecting back to you what we all are and what we all can do. And he's just sort of like, I'm no different than anybody else. And that's, that's an amazing inspiration. And I really honor him for that. Full body chills. What place or activity most inspires you right now? I, I have a place in Southern Utah down in the Grand Staircase National Monument. And that place inspires me because it's like a raw land diet. It's very powerful nature. You're surrounded by such beauty and millions of years of geology and wildlife. So being there when I can get there, um, it feels healing and feels healthy and feels nourishing and recharging. And what is one book that has inspired you on your journey that you wish to share with us today? I'll tell you too. Um, be be here now, Ram Das. Is mm-hmm. I think it was his first, but super famous, super amazing. If you haven't seen it, it's got lots of Beautiful. pictures, sort of, <laughs> and you can kind of open up to any page, almost like reading a tarot deck, or you can read it cover to cover, probably in an hour or two. And it's so beautiful. I've given that book to so many people. Uh, so if you haven't experienced that book, go out and get one now. It's only like $10 on Amazon. And it's the same original printing, the blue book with the brown and white pages. Uh, and then there was also a book by Charles Eisenstein that kicked me off back in 2008 called The Ascent of Humanity, which is a really thick and long and erudite book. He's someone I really like, and he became somewhat of a friend later on in life. But it just sort of goes from showing you from way back to when we lit the first fire in the Stone Age and how that kind of lit the fuse for what he calls the ascent of humanity all the way through like uh, you know, agriculture and uh, you know, the nuclear age and information, everything we've gone through to now and how all those steps were actually quite necessary for us to go where we're headed, which he calls the age of reunion. It just connected a lot of dots for me, like a lot of things I've been feeling for many years, but I wasn't as smart as him to, oh, yes, like numbers and math and how that sort of codifies things and words and language and how that, you know, all this stuff. And he just put it all together in this, in this massive argument. And that was at that time very powerful for me to kind of, put towards something I've been feeling and helped sort of literally connect the dots of how the hell did we get here and where are we going and how it's actually okay. This is like, this is the only way perhaps we could go where we're going. And of course it is, right? Because here we are. But so the ascent of humanity was a really fun read. And I like how we kind of pulled it back around to, you know, sometimes words are necessary. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm I'm not so I'm not so far off the beaten track after all exploring words. not at all no. no but your yeah music words anything that can point us back to the truth 
in in whatever way that is and and we will each find our own our own path and um i mean music has always spoken to me i do believe music is a universal language i think it does speak to all of us that's what's so powerful about it and then of course you know if we're lucky enough to have our books translated into multiple languages it also can speak to many people but i've i've so enjoyed our conversation east forest it has been a tremendous honor for me to share this space with you and to share you with hopefully others who um, already know you and, and getting to know you better and, and maybe even introducing you to a few new people out there. And I will be sure to put your uh, website, your links in the show notes. Check him out at eastforest.org. Go on Spotify or YouTube or I don't know, wherever you get your music. And it's out there. Yeah. It's, it's out there. It's out there. It's easy there's, to find. There's lots of different offerings for different kinds of people. I mean, the music is the backbone for sure, but uh, there's other things like podcasts and retreats and things like that. Awesome. And yes, to see you live, you know, follow him around you, you tour around. So go check out a concert. Yeah. We'll be out there. The so festival. Awesome. Something live. That's so great. Well, thank you everyone else for tuning in again um, for another inspiring episode. As always, I trust that something that was said spoke directly to you, inspiring you to be more of who you truly are and uh, to remember to go out and love everyone and tell the truth. It's just as simple as that. So good luck with it. Good luck. luck. We're we're cheering you on. And, uh, And until next time, I send you many, many blessings.